The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay, ready? Yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, tonight we got them. Goldie, the Sulk, and JC. And it starts right now. So, welcome back to another episode of A Typical Disgusting Display, a podcast for writers by writers who hate writing. And JC asked us if we were ready right before we started. <laughs> I did. Ready as we'll never be. <laughs> and there was and, silence. Yeah, there was a little bit of Goldie <laughs> grumbling. Yeah, I'm fucking, I guess I'm ready. Sure. I'm ready. ready for what? Yeah. Ready for what? <laughs> I was sitting there and I was like, maybe in this brief pause, there will be a massive earthquake. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, okay. First I guess joke we're of going. the day. First joke of the day. <laughs> Too late. Sorry. Oh, well, <clears throat> speaking of massive earthquakes, uh, I have my first ever colonoscopy. Oh, wait. So the doctors couldn't get out of it? <laughs> second, <laughs> second joke, joke of the day. Of the second joke <laughs> of the day. They're going to take one look under the hood and be like, oh, what are you wiping with bamboo? What's oh going God. on back here? It's a mess. <laughs> remember when you remember when just having a crisis of. <laughs> An identity crisis over your butthole. Like, I don't know why I ever went into this. You know, this was my dad's dream, not mine. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like when in, in First Blood, when Rambo takes off his shirt and you see how horribly beaten and scarred he is. Oh it's like God. they're going to take one look at my butthole and be like, what happened to this guy? <laughs> hey, humanity. <laughs> the humanity. Oh God! So not not looking forward to that. Although I, I, I by all I accounts, mean, how are are you gonna like at least take your shower massage and clean it up before you go in there so they don't think you're some <laughs> sort of bore? <laughs> I'm taking it day by day. Oh, yeah. when do you take the prep? I like think when you, is this? I think it was. Well, so by the way, this is great because 
If you're listening to this on Monday, you might be listening to this right as a giant rod is being inserted into my anus. <laughs> so it's going to be next. It's going to be Monday. So today, as you're listening, I will be undergoing this procedure. And I when, guess you have to do one prep day. When you're under euthanasia, will you be – sorry, euthanasia. <laughs> when, you, when you're under anesthesia, <laughs> will you be less high than you normally are? <laughs> nice. <laughs> return to propoform. Yeah, the, the doctor told me, he's like, he's like, yeah, the procedure's a piece of cake. You get those Michael Jackson drugs. It'll be great. I'm oh, like, oh. Wow. Wow. I guess that's what Is anyone going to be videotaping you as you come out of the anesthesia? <laughs> well, the, you have a Charlie bit my finger. <laughs> interesting that you ask. Yeah. Um, because uh, someone else on this podcast has stepped to the fore and volunteered to pick me up after the procedure. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so I'm going to use the process of elimination. <laughs> it wasn't me. No, no, well, not you. Keep going. Warmer. Didn't, Alec didn't JC, know. you're going to give well, him a... He didn't... <laughs> well, here's the you're going to let him in your Tesla after his <laughs> butthole's been breached? <laughs> the thing is, I breached. thought, he said that he didn't know that someone needs to pick him up from no, after I didn't. no one needs to pick him up. They should just push him into the back alley. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a couple twenties down and say, Yeah. I was told that you can't even get into an Uber afterwards. You have to have somebody pick you up. <laughs> Why does that fall to you? <laughs> no, I just said because he didn't know. I just volunteered. No, she volunteered. Yeah. I won't pick you up. <laughs> yes, I know that. I know that. That, that I can on that I can rely. Yeah, no, I I don't I don't know any that. By the way, they still I don't have, know anything. I don't know anything about. Well, I don't know anything about this. That's thankfully, good. right? Um, I but, mean, don't think. Uh, how are you a, an adult? Like what? Do you, you don't know. I ask that myself you, that question. You often. don't know Wait, that. I ask myself that too. They do this medical procedure where you have anesthesia. Yeah. Someone needs to drive you home. Well, no, but I figured it could be an Uber. But now the, I'm hearing that that's not even possible, which I don't understand. They don't Maybe trust ask. you to get into an well, Uber. Well, you're going to be babbling all your deep secrets. You know that, yeah. right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> that, maybe that's why JC offered. <laughs> I'll be like, so tell me more. <laughs> I mean, yeah. is this happening? Because this we should just turn a camera on this and then it'll save us a week of doing a podcast. Right. We could show that. Well, if JC can somehow rig her car up for audio, then, yeah, then maybe, maybe we should we'll... do the podcast as you're coming out car. of anesthesia <laughs> in the car ride. That would be amazing. <laughs> well, I'm still Surprise. in a back, a backless gown on JC's leather seats. White too. They're white. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Not anymore. Well, I creme, wish, creme de coco. Oh, gross. <laughs> I wish you all the luck. Have you ever been under anesthesia? I have. Is it yeah. full or twilight? No, I mean, for surgery, not because yeah. you're, you're a drug addict. <laughs> oh, <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an anesthesia addict. Yes, I have been <laughs> under uh, anesthesia. I had, uh, I had, a, I'm Jewish. I had a hernia. Oh, oh, right. I had a hernia. So I was yeah, I remember. Anesthesia. It took you like two months to recover. <laughs> Did it? Ouch. Yeah. 
I don't I don't recall that. Yeah, you were, I never like, could barely I've never walk recovered. around your apartment. I mean, it was like I've never recovered. It was <laughs> like I've never seen someone less changed by being. I know that's exactly recovering. right. How could you tell if I was recovering? I or couldn't. Just me? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> two years, two months. He's, he's shuffling around and all bent over. He seems good as new. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. So that's, as you're listening, possibly JC is getting explosive diarrhea on the inside of her Tesla, and it won't be my fault. And we'll, we'll talk all about it uh, on next JC, I just urge you to find a way out of this <laughs> as soon I'll, as possible. I'll ask if I can take some of that wax paper from the doctor's office and we can put it over the past. You could seat. form it into a crude diaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of apropos of what we're, we're discussing this week that someone did that with a blanket and a shoe. Yes. And that you could right. just take the wax paper and, and craft yourself some uh, artisan undergarments. <laughs> artisan. You could origami yourself. Yes. A diaper. <laughs> Swan diaper. <laughs> um, well, so while we're while we're talking about this stuff, let's take care of a little business. So, yes, later today in the episode, we're going to be talking about Pine Barrens, the episode of Sopranos called Pine Barrens, which we've been on record here uh, saying how much we like. And uh, spoiler alert, my opinion has not changed. Yeah. Um, also, can, wait, can yeah, we introduce ahead. that a, a little a little more holistically? So. We have run out of guests temporarily, okay? And it's temporary. <laughs> there are more guests. Scott Grimes on. next week. Scott Grimes next week. And yeah. we have some some yeah, very interesting, exciting guests, including Scott Grimes, coming up. But sometimes yes. we face this. We face a lull. We have <laughs> used our connections to the full extent we could use them. And sometimes no one owes you a favor. It, it just happens. There are these yeah. gaps in favor owing. Or guilting, yeah. and we are unable to get a guest. So in those, we have in the past filled in with writing advice. Now, right. yeah, we've basically given out all the advice we can. And in addition, <laughs> I can no longer in good conscience <laughs> pretend that this is a career that anyone should go into. Whoa. There's, there's nothing left. <laughs> and I myself went out to pitch two weeks ago and failed so badly that, oh, no. that the idea that I would be able to teach anyone anything about doing this is fraud. So <laughs> coming clean <laughs> on that. So in those weeks, we then have moved to sometimes discussing an appreciation for episodes we watch. Yes. Yes. It is the 25th anniversary of The Sopranos. Yay. Um, yes. Which is a landmark show. Yeah. So we decided, and see how I'm doing this more artfully. I'm providing what's called context. I know you're so concerned with a, what's about to happen with your butthole. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah, that you, <laughs> you know, you temporarily feel like it's enough to just go work on Pine Barrens, guys. <laughs> These people are listening. They need a buildup. Okay, it's not all about purging and exploration of the your deep. Cavity and then you know <laughs> digging out a piece of Topps bubblegum from 1982 that you saw. <laughs> it's the 25th anniversary of Sopranos. That's a big deal. Probably yes. the best TV show ever. Yep. Pine Barrens is probably the best episode of the best TV show. Yes. Yes. So we wanted to talk about it. Why? Because we couldn't get anyone <laughs> this week to tell us 
a morsel of information about how to do this career, okay? <laughs> so full honest assessment, that is where we find ourselves right now. Yeah, because I'll tell you something, true. when I'm in a room pitching and in my head, I'm first I'm seeing my face on the Zoom, I look a billion. And no, you don't. <laughs> insane. I'm bald and all my hair is white. Why the fuck would anyone say like, yes, let's select him as our commander as we foray into this uncharted territory? Like it's an instant blocked punt. I look a billion. <laughs> and then as I'm pitching, literally in the back of my mind, I'm hearing the T.S. Eliot's The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. I grow old, I grow old. I shall wear the bottoms of my trousers rolled. I have heard the mermaids singing each to each. I do not think that they will sing for me because they're not, I know they're not buying it. Oh, that was impressive. Besides, yeah. No one's watching fucking TV. And if they are, they're, they're, they're going to buy like Kevin Hart's ninth idea. Yeah. Like that's, that's it. True. It's over. That is true. God. Is it? It's over. Yes! But but that by the way, we're we're clinging to this life raft though. Sure. But the idea yeah. that I'm then giving advice to the new people, it's like the shift coming out of Chernobyl, going like, <laughs> Yeah, when you're in there, you know, you might want to drink some water. <laughs> A glowing review from that shift out of Chernobyl. Um that's yeah, it's well said. I, I and and you said something uh, before we got on about uh, a pickaxe, which I thought was appropriate. Yeah, so moment. I can sell you a pickaxe. I'm telling you, there's no gold in that river, <laughs> and I've been here a long time. Now you may think you heard about a gold rush, and you're a very lucky person, and you've studied the geology, blah blah blah. Yeah, in. Shorter time than you expect, you will have a yellow beard and have lost your teeth and be a cautionary tale right. of someone gone insane in California. But I'll, <laughs> again, give you tips on uh, sharpening your axe tip. <laughs> tip tips. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's pretty scary and well said. But here's here's a counterpoint. Okay. Um, so as you pointed out, you're a billion. I'm a billion. JC's somewhere comfortably in her late 30s. <laughs> um, so is it just that we are getting old and things are changing? Because for generations, you know, it used to be the big three networks and then it went to cable and there were suddenly 20, 30 more channels. And I think people had that same reaction at the time. Like, this is over. It's over. But we were able to find gold in that era. So now is there another wave crashing onto the beach where they're going to be able to find gold in some new way that we can't think of? Because different wave, different beach, not even the same skill set does not involve long form writing at all. And Ooh. like, look, now I'm going to get in the weeds a little bit here. And here's some podcast inside business. So we have booked as a guest, Carrie Howley, who's this author who wrote a book called Bottoms Up and the Devil Laughs. Yeah, it's an incredible book. It's about data. It's about um, whistleblowers. Uh, reality winner, yeah. and it's about how John Walker the primacy of the small screen and the algorithmic calculations of it to entertain us have provided a catered experience that's so far different from broadcasting out, hear everyone watch this. Instead, right. it's like, hear everyone go into a very addictive rabbit hole of you and now we're saying, hey, come out of the rabbit hole of you and watch this other thing. No one wants to, you know, no one wants a craft cocktail when they're doing heroin. 
Right. <laughs> so. They're enjoying the heroin. Yeah. And so I, I think it's it, it's so much larger than just, oh, you know, it's a slightly different way of doing it. I think it do, it's a different part of your brain reacting differently, and it has a stranglehold on people. And we're going to talk to her about this, and I'm really excited to. Yeah. Um, and I realized, like, hey, that's not funny. Well, it's not all, you know, ha-ha. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, my... this guy's got to get his butthole looked at. <laughs> He's got to drive him home. Like, that's life. <laughs> and let's say I learned on my first week at SNL, making funny ain't fun. That's what somebody told me. Oh. I was like, oh, okay. Was it, was it a writer? No, of course not. It was a disgruntled sound guy. Yeah. In so his how would they know? Because he'd been there since 1980. Oh. You know? So yeah. he's miserable. So and he didn't even like it when Trump was on because that was a good episode. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was favorite. fun and funny. <laughs> he did it both. Um, <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Speaking of making funny ain't fun, <laughs> let's get in to Johnny Jokes. Whoa! From Hollywood, where the colonoscopies are flowing like wine. Here's Johnny. Uh, awesome. Yes. Very uneven batch today. Let's uh, power through it. Well, maybe These you heard were about... found during Alex Sulkin's colonoscopy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Covered in fecal matter that will hopefully make you giggle. These came out during the prep. <laughs> it's part of a decades-old poo-poo platter. Uh, James Corden. Maybe you heard about this. James Corden has a new interview series, and he's set a return date. Uh, not for the show, for some undercooked eggs. Ooh, of course. <laughs> undercooked eggs. Uh, maybe you heard about this coming out of England. King Charles is out of the hospital following prostate treatment. Uh, the king says he hadn't planned on the procedure, but uh, the doctor slid into his BMs. Oh. <laughs> That's going to happen to you on Monday. <laughs> I know. And I told Goldie the origin of that line before we started. Okay, moving on. <laughs> slid into his BMs. Uh, Republican dingbat, Lauren Boebert. <laughs> is panicking this week after low polling numbers suggest that she is in fifth place in the upcoming Colorado congressional election. 
Uh, Bobert has vowed to get those poles up by taking them to Beetlejuice the musical. <laughs> Paint by numbers. There we go. Yeah. And still, still a nice painting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And uh, returning to the well one too many times for one of these kinds of jokes, Spain. Spain experienced a record heat wave last week. It was so hot in Spain. How, How hot was it? Was it? <laughs> uh, it was so hot that the thermometers switched from Celsius to Iglesias. <laughs> uh, it was so hot that the Count of Monte Cristo ordered a cup of gazpacho. <laughs> Uh, it was so hot, residents had a glass of lemonade out on the Portugal. <laughs> Next, Johnny. Those are well done. Those are awesome. Thank you. Take those it over. Those are, that was a, a good week for you. <laughs> well, <clears throat> the NFL coaching carousel appears to have stopped, and legendary coach Bill Belichick finds himself without a job. Oof. Uh, this being Belichick, He's living by his new trademark slogan, do your nothing. <laughs> Very Goldie. Uh, this week, a judge ordered Donald Trump to pay $83 million to E. Jean Carroll for defamation. Uh, Trump's attorney has vowed to appeal, dismissing the charges as true. <laughs> she wasn't a good attorney, that woman. No, she wasn't. Terrible. Morrissey, the musician Ooh. Morrissey, yes, has canceled his tour, citing exhaustion. Oh. Uh, Morrissey issued the following statement. <laughs> it was it was almost hard to hear it all over the mic. JC, could you hear that? Did we get that? Okay, good. Wait, I can recording. do it here. I'll give you some free ones. That's what, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the face. I know. <sighs> <laughs> okay. That's enough. Uh, Tesla. Thank you. Tesla. Tesla has implanted the first ever Neuralink chip into a human being. Uh, the man instantly couldn't move from his driveway and burst into flames. Oh, no. <laughs> and finally, the world's largest cruise ship is set to sail its maiden voyage. Royal Caribbean's icon of the seas. The statistics are amazing. The massive ship has over six water slides, seven pools, 20 decks, holds 7,600 passengers, and is capable of producing over a million gallons of diarrhea per day. <laughs> that was a very funny closing joke, and you should have seen the, well, we'll release one day the behind-the-scenes bloopers of getting that, that joke down. We are struggling today. Yeah. It is just uh, inch by inch, this oh, podcast. The inches we need are all around yeah. us. Oh, boy. Um, CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, now it's time to time to leave that struggle behind and get into something just awesome that I know we all love. As Goldie um, teed up so artfully after my uh, half-assed tee-up, we are going to be talking, it's the Sopranos 25th anniversary, and we are going to be talking about uh, what I think might be our favorite episode of the series. Uh, it's from season three, an episode called Pine Barrens. Uh, you may remember this if you're a Sopranos fan, you certainly do. Um, and even if you're a casual fan of the show, basically it was the one in a nutshell where Christopher and uh, and Paulie get stuck out in the woods uh, overnight when they they um, through a series of bizarre events. It's funny though, and I don't know, you know, I've seen this episode many times, probably half a dozen times, and I always think of it as that, like, oh, it's that's when Paulie and Christopher get stuck out in the woods. I forget how much other stuff was going oh, yeah. on in this yeah. episode, which is really incredible because I had was, the exact same reaction. Yeah. Yeah, packed to the gills with other great storylines and but moments. It, yeah. yeah, unbelievable. So let's let's jump into it. Um, the the show opens. It's funny because Goldie, I remember last week when we were talking about Frasier, you had a note that you know we both we all loved the pilot, the Frasier pilot. It was excellent. Um, but you had a note that the first joke didn't land, which I hadn't mm. I had forgotten. But you're right; it didn't quite make sense. The one note I have about this Pine Barrens episode was that I thought that it was too on the nose to open with the song Gloria with a a character named Gloria, (laughs) who's played by Annabella uh, Sciorra, however you say that, um, played Tony's Gumar, Gloria Mm -hmm. Trillo. And so the whole show opens with her. But it was that was weird, right? Well, it it became very weird when she turned the music down as she came on the boat and (laughs) she was aware that they were playing Gloria. So that just sucked. Yes. (laughs) And then the rest of it was amazing. It was amazing. So I don't know. I guess. But I want to, I want to go a little bit back from that moment. Sure. Just into the nature of my experience, just diving back into this. Mm Mm-hmm. First point I want to make is that, you know, I never really liked the credits when the show was on and I never really actually liked the song. Yeah. Right. But, but watching now we, them now, yeah. I get Nostalgia. a palpable sense of excitement. And Me too. Talk about a lost art and that people don't have time anymore. It's like to sit through that minute, minute and a half builds your anticipation. Totally. Wow. And totally. I miss it. And it's it's that's a lost art is just uh, that like, hey, let's give people this thing they know and are almost singing along to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, to get into the it's a greatest hit before the concert even starts. I know. <laughs> that's such a great point. I love that. And and just when you became big enough of a Sopranos fan to know 
when when you got up that driveway at the very end of the song and you would see names like uh, Alan Coulter or Tim Van Patten, you're like, yep. oh, this one's going to be good. <laughs> um, and I also uh, try to time the record scratch, you know, a little finger in the air awesome. at the end. I think that's so, something a lot of people do. Second point is at the end of that credit, things have changed so much and the conspicuous consumption mm-hmm. and maybe it's fueled by social media and everyone displaying what's going on in their lives. That house doesn't even look that big or cool anymore. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's I've not had, impressive. It's just kind of like, okay, like it's it's big. It's not really nice. <laughs> I guess we all know too much about design and architecture and everything. Yeah, we're I know, now. but it does kind of, it is sort of in keeping with like what, a guy like Tony and, and, yes. a, and a woman and like the time it would was, think yeah. it was a castle, you know? At the time, it was. But the yeah. third point I want to make, and this is sort of the deepest point I want to make, is Ooh. watching this 25 years ago, I was kind of like coming out of college and these people were adults. Yeah. But now I'm older than all the characters and yeah. they're, they seem kind of like children to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Christopher especially. I mean, Yes, yes. And, yes. and you kind of just go like, I, I found like I'm not as intimidated by the idea of them because I'd be like if I had an altercation with Tony in the supermarket, I'd be like, look here, Sonny, you know, Sonny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 and, and no one would bat an eyelash. And so it's it's amazing how the art stays the same, but you change. Yes. And that was something that, you know, I didn't really that feel watching Frasier as much, but yeah, I really laughing, felt yeah. watching this. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a great, you know, that's a great point. And I think nostalgic television, like now The Sopranos, is something you watch to, to try to forget about that for a little bit. It's, and I, I understand you noticing that. And now that you say it, I totally notice it, too. But I feel like when I'm when I'm watching that show, it's putting me back to where I was a little bit. And so that's yes. obviously. Part but of I'm also me now i mean there's a double experience you're having that you don't have because the first time you watch it you're 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 not saying like i'll put myself in the mindset of when i was seven for no reason and also look at this right that would be insane but because you did see it at that point you're comparing the experiences you know similarly to you go to disneyland as a child and then you go as an adult or you do anything as a kid and you go i want to bring my kids here and see it through their eyes and also be the parent that I was the parent now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a little depressing. Um, <laughs> but so let, let's get let's get back into this first uh, scene here. So something great that they set up right away that goes on through the whole episode, which almost plays as I mean, we can. I'm sure we'll talk about this as we talk about it. But th- this show was almost as funny as the Frasier pilot. Like yeah. there's. Mm-hmm. There's so much comedy in The Sopranos in general and in this episode in particular that I think it could not only be on a list of the greatest, you know, drama one hours of all time, but it it could very well be on a list of like the greatest comedies. It had so much funny shit in it. So one of the funny things, at least to me, that they set up in the beginning so uh, Gloria, Tony's mistress, is she is so love Gloria Trillo. Oh, yes. <laughs> you do? It's, uh, I mean, you physically, you, she's attractive. I just think she's, oh, she's an awesome incredible. character. She's great. It's a great <laughs> character, but but part of the greatness is she makes you feel so unsettled. 
Like right. she's so volatile and it comes to the, to the fore right away when she shows up on, on Tony's boat, the Stugats <laughs> before he gets there and the phone rings, <laughs> she picks it up because she's Gloria Trillo and it's Tony's old mistress, the Russian mistress who's calling looking for Tony. And <laughs> then she does this lame, very funny pretending that her name is Mrs. Washington, which is great. It just sounds like if a Russian could make up a fake American name, that's what it's going to be. Mrs. Washington from Little Anthony's school. And so that's as Tony's walking in. Tony takes the phone, pretends that it's the woman from school, dismisses his old mistress. And then there's this awkward moment where they're just kind of sitting there. It's clear Gloria has been away for a while and Tony's not like that affectionate with her. And then after a beat, Tony, in a real watershed moment for him, is like, you know what? Uh, that wasn't a woman from my kid's school. That right. was actually an old girlfriend, which is a great thing for him to do in right. a moment. Like he's he's he's, trying he's to be stepping honest. up and he's trying to be honest and he is being honest. And she immediately shits all over that <laughs> and throws his present out the window and storms off the boat. And I thought that was a very relatable moment just in life. Like you try to do the right thing and you still get shit on. But it sort of starts the episode of like, okay, Tony's going to be going through it this episode. And he but was. her rationale for being angry was also valid. And that's what I like about this. Oh, show. yeah. No, right. they're, they're is, smartly written. Is that you just go like these are the intractable problems that put us all in a form of counseling that yeah. you just go and and the episode does end on this point which is just hey like i'm doing my best here why can nothing yeah. work out yes well also yeah. he's been working on trying to be more honest in his relationships but not the relationship with her so she doesn't even have any clue about the work he's been putting in She's just experiencing this, well, why did you lie to me in the first place? Like, she's not there for the journey he's been on. So, well, that's, he that's doesn't, she painfully clear. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it's, it's funny because this episode is ultimately, you know, in, in all its complexity and how good it is, uh, what impressed me most was it's really about such small things. It's really about like, Good help is hard to find. Everyone at my job is an idiot. It's kind yeah. of the office in a way <laughs> yeah. where these two guys have a very simple task to execute. <laughs> they get in each other's way. They're in trying to fix their own mess. They create an even bigger mess to the point where then their lives have to be saved. <laughs> like their yeah. children who swam out too far. Yes. Right? Literally. Yeah. Yeah. And then. In the other story, it's it's basically I just told you the truth and I'm trying to be and you just can't accept it like yes. you can't accept it. You can't accept me. And then the other story is kind of like and my family's a pain in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's so very simple. simple, very yeah. simple themes. And it, something, Goldie, Related. that I'm I'm sure you found uh, hilarious as, as I did was that. <clears throat> when we first see Paulie in this episode, mm -hmm. who plays a huge role in the episode, he's getting a manicure. Yes. And he's he's saying, That's like, let's do the satin finish today <laughs> or something like that. And it's just it knowing what we know about the episode, yep. it is so much funnier to know that like that that was his day. Paulie is a very vain guy. He's like, yes. a, you know, his hair is always just so and he he likes to dress nicely. 
and he's getting a manicure and this one phone call like ruins his entire day and and almost his whole life it was great it was yeah and it's it's one of those things you can only appreciate on a rewatch because as as, if you're just watching it for the first time you're you know it just you wouldn't remember well we got to put him somewhere and you know he seems like he would get his nails done that's kind of a funny thing in isolation Mm -hmm. but it is the setup (laughs) it's traditional like almost aristotelian storytelling you build up the person as one thing so that their fall is more impactful when you reveal that it's all a veneer. Yeah, right. literally. And, you know, so that, that and Christopher not having eaten, yes. you know, which at the time seems Brilliant. like such a minor thing. But, you know, yes. Yes. when you talk about storytelling and story building, like those are very simple things. Again, it's, you know, sometimes I think we we try to make these Baroque and Corinthian structures and we're trying to outsmart the audience and you just kind of go, you don't need to do that but what i think yeah. the reason we responded to this episode so much is it's such a departure in season three from the expectation of a typical great sopranos episode which is just you know there's a rival or a crime or they're yeah. pulling off a heist or something, something in the house that our characters yeah. are getting in yeah. mob trouble that all of a sudden they're in the woods and and that is just you know a brilliant Thing that you can only pull off when you're successful and people care about the characters in their yes. normal lives yep. that you can then move them into a different environment Location. and yeah. say totally. like look at how they respond it's not even in fish out of water it's like they drive you know two three hours away and it's like they're in ecuador yeah <laughs> <laughs> and also because you bring that up i think it's a, a good moment to say something fairly obvious but worth saying that were this a Hollywood show or an LA show, they would be going out and creating fake cold, a fake cold environment. Like it was so awesome to have them in real snow and really see their breath and the Russian guy loving the cold. God, that was awesome. Like it, the, the cold and the snow itself, it, it, I was so happy that that show was made the way it was made because it really allowed for like a, a really organic weather moment like that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I want to just point out there is, if you go to the ringer.com, there's a really great compilation of interviews about the Pine Barrens episode that I, I read a couple months ago. But I, one of the things I learned from reading that was that, you know, they had booked um, some kind of park out in New York to film. It was actually filmed in New York and not South Jersey. Right. And that it just happened to snow. And that that was at first viewed as a production hurdle. Like, oh shit, we got to film in this, but it's, it was their persevering through it that made it so classic. Cause you're right. If it, if it hadn't been snowy, I don't know that it would live in our memories as much and, and have looked as, you know, just the way it looks of these guys in their stupid Wilson leathers jackets. <laughs> yeah. So unprepared in this harsh it. environment that, you know, there were, there was a story uh, when we graduated college and it was, it was maybe in 1997 or something. And it was, it led the Boston globe for weeks. And it was uh, these two kids had graduated college. They were our age and they were driving across the country and they got out in death Valley to look around. And they somehow got turned around from their car and they were lost for a week or 10 days and they they had no food, no water. And what came out in court was that one of the kids who survived said that the other kid begged him to kill him. 
because he was suffering so badly. So he did. (laughs) And then it just turned out they were like a quarter mile from the highway the entire time. And and they didn't know, did this guy just murder the other guy or was this a true story? But wow. This was a brilliant dramatization of how you can be so close (laughs) to comfort and so close to where you're from and what you know, and you can unravel within the course of 20 seconds. (laughs) Yes. Oh, they did that. They did that so well. They, They showed so effectively the... Yeah, the unraveling of both Chris and Polly was awesome to watch, and they both Hilarious. unraveled in in the in a way that was consistent to their characters. Them, yes, like Polly was is despicable in this episode. Yes. Like you love Polly from the show, I love him, but he was yes. at his absolute worst, worst. in this episode. It's <laughs> so many turns, and it was fun to watch. I mean. We, we we can sort of mention, I guess, briefly, like another thing adding to Tony's stress level in this episode is that he and, and Carmela at this point in the series are in couples counseling with mm-hmm. Dr. Melfi. So you watch that uncomfortable exchange. And again, Goldie, as you pointed out, like Tony's trying to do the right thing in there. Like, you know, he's he. Carmela, you know, is chastising Tony about some way he's acted in the past. And you watch Tony like almost rise to anger, then kind of settle down and he eats it. He just eats it, you know, and then uh, the doctor actually points out, wow, I must I'm so happy you two can communicate about this without rancor. And you're watching Tony like he's barely holding on. And then sort of brilliantly, they have this thing going on with Meadow, which is her. Oh my God! Yeah. Becoming her mother or not becoming her mother? Yes. Yep. Uh, you know, is a C story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I had remembered that so well because there's just a landmark joke in there in the first scene when they're trying to establish how ill-suited these characters are for each <laughs> other, and they're playing Scrabble. Scrabble. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and her boyfriend Jackie too. Jr. She's playing all words like oblique, oblique, and yep. high value words, and he's playing poo cat yeah, yeah. yeah which is it was great. such Hilarious. such a memorable and 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 totally well written and honest moment when he writes when he puts down ass on the board <laughs> and then he clumsily turns to her and she's sick like she's yeah. clearly sick and he's like he's like as in uh do you want to give me some and she's like jackie i'm sick he's like i'm just kidding Unless, of course, you want to. It's such a guy thing. It's so real. It was so <laughs> dumb guy-ish, that, that whole exchange. That was a good Jackie Jr. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. I don't know where else you can use it. But. Yeah, oh, everybody's dying for that impersonation these days. But it, but it was also good because you can see Jackie Jr. literally looking at his watch surreptitiously in that moment, and he's thinking, like, I'm not. There's no way I'm going to sleep in this twin bed. With well, this surreptitiously looking at his giant watch. Yes. yes. So it was a very large watch. And so then after we've set up the sort of multiple stories that are going to be going on this episode, we get into the meat of it where uh, Polly and Christopher 
go over to the Russians' house. They have to collect money for Silvio, which they also insert in a very funny way. Silvio's got got the sniffles, and so he doesn't have to go collect it. Paulie's already pissed that he has to go there and pick up this five thousand dollars from this sort of large drunk Russian man. Uh, this so, is an internal Family Guy joke. I'll say he, that Silvio's basically been sent into the Zoom Blue Sky Room for the day. <laughs> <laughs> you were there yesterday. You were. Oh, that's so funny. Good to know how, how everyone looks at that. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so Christopher and Polly show up to collect this money, and right away, God, Polly is being such an asshole. Prick, and something yes. that I noticed in this episode, even more than other episodes, he was using his cackle. Like so many times, like he'd say the dumb, you know, he's like, hey, uh, you know, time to get up and uh, maybe the other 30 people that are living here. <laughs> like he's oper- he's operating on the oldest information too about yes. Russia. He's bringing up yeah. the Rasputin and the Cuban <laughs> Missile Crisis, like all his references are so old. There was a great line. Well, maybe we'll talk about it, but it's much later where when they're out in the snow and, and Paulie's crazed and he says, yeah, well, I should have fucked Dale Evans, but I didn't. <laughs> and I had to look up who Dale Evans was. Uh, and it was Roy Rogers' did. cowboy wife. And, like, there are these pictures of her, like, holding up two guns. And, like, she's kind of pretty. But it's just hilarious that Paulie wanted to fuck oh, her. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. I mean, first, the Russian oh. guy casting is unbelievable. That unbelievable. Amazing. And Valerie. his size, his, yeah. physical, his physicality. Yes. But uh, something throughout the series is Polly's petty jealousy and his materialism yes it, he sees that this guy has a nice stereo yes. and the, and it just really bothers him that yep. anyone has anything anything nicer than him <laughs> yeah. because he he does say you know he makes an errant comment about tony sitting there in his big house um yeah i forget if they... it's it's when they're in the van it's later yeah. in the episode yeah yeah, but... yeah, yeah. He clearly just feels like he deserves more. He's made millions for Tony. And so you you kind of put two and two together. Like, yeah, the whole reason he teed off was this this low-life Russian guy who's in a different operation has nice things. Yes. Wow, yeah. Yeah. That's and smart. and by the way, this sets up one of your most quoted lines oh. of the series, which is the which is the moment that sparks the whole episode. So yes. give it to us. Universal remote put in docking <laughs> station. What? What? Put universal remote in docking station. <laughs> Look at this guy handing out orders. <laughs> and then, so, of course, I, I would say that, I mean, because in my life, like, that is just shorthand for, can you please do this one simple fucking thing? Because yes. you've gotten what you wanted, which was the $5,000. Yep. You're touching something you have no business touching. Yeah. our business is done yes you came for something i gave it to you and i've been kind of Uh, if not cool fine about it so please just put universal remote back in docking station (laughs) oh my god (laughs) and also like i'm not afraid of you kind of thing like yeah 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 i'm I'm gonna tell you what to do asshole and and he was he was justified in that moment telling him that and of course paulie takes it too far and instead he does a very fake you know whoops and drops (laughs) the remote (laughs) and even christopher goes paulie come on yeah (laughs) totally 
so yeah, no, they clock a lot of good Christopher reactions in this episode. Yeah. Like there was a scene later where Polly is cringe to use like my daughter's yeah. phrase. Yes. yes. Right. There, there's a moment a little later where uh, they're on the phone to Tony and Polly says like the guy cold, you know, sucker yes. punched us. And they show Christopher giving a look like that is not what happened at all. Yeah. You fucking liar. Um, but so anyway, Polly drops the remote. The Russian guy doesn't even attack he just goes to stand up Polly pushes him down and <laughs> smashes a glass bottle into his head yeah, yeah, and then right. you know then it's chaos and so uh, there it's good though because as we talked about like the you know i haven't eaten yet or Polly's mm -hmm. just having a nails getting his nails done day um in this moment christopher backs up Polly, jumps on the russian guy and the russian guy is so big he's like carrying christopher around and you hear christopher while that's happening he goes Polly, where are you i love that line it's so that line great. has stuck with me for 25 years i know me too and it and it and it enhances the theme of the show yes. which is sort of like Polly's just a total you know just not he's absent and he's yes. not He's not doing it. Christopher has his back. Polly does not have Christopher's back. <laughs> yeah. So they say who caused the whole situation. Who yes. caused it all? Who caused the chaos? And so they subdue this Russian guy. Polly chokes him with a with a giant 90s uh, you know, apartment lamp that everyone had. <laughs> right. Chokes him uh, and uh and they think he's dead. And so they right. I love it. They wrap him up in a carpet. He's like the biggest guy. They bring <laughs> yeah. him out on a dolly. And, and put him in the back of Polly's car. Um, so this has gone sideways. And they call Tony to basically to break the bad news. And this starts, because uh, Goldie, I know you've gone on record many times as saying that cell phones have kind of ruined uh, TV, TV comedies. And, it, you know, it makes a lot but of... But not here. Here it no, enhanced it. No, yeah, I was going to yeah, say, yeah. they handled it so smartly in here because yeah. they acknowledged that, yes, cell phones are here, so we can communicate, but they made but, every yeah. cell phone communication such a, a an honest pain in the ass. Which they yes. still are, by the way. Which yes. it, it's really smartphones have ruined comedy, not cell phones, right? right to to be technical, but yes. like ultimately, also this is a show about parenting. It it really is like Tony's just everyone's friggin' dad. dad. Like yeah. he's his wife's dad. He's his kid's dad. He's his employee's dad. Yep. yep. And he's not a very good dad and he doesn't know how to do it. Right. Yep. And he he's a lost child because of his mom. And so it's like the fact that they they create this situation, they call him. It's like, I don't know what the situation is. <laughs> right. I don't know where you are or what you did. So how would I know what you're supposed to do? Right. <laughs> exactly. But but even through that, he's pretty explicit, like. If this guy's dead, get rid of him so yes. we never see him again. Like he's pretty right. clear about that, and, and but you start to get the first uh, cell phone crackle, and they can't yep. hear each other. And Tony, uh, I mean, some of his best acting is getting angry at that cell phone because it felt so <laughs> real. Well, yes. so that's real. the scene where he's at Gloria's, right? Well, there's there's one scene at where he's on his way too. to a car. Okay. And then there's yeah, but then there's a scene at Gloria's. Yeah. The one where he's at Gloria's and the call comes in. <laughs> and he just goes in the bathroom and then he flushes the toilet. Oh, to come yeah. Now now I just ask you, what is worse? That you, someone you're having sex with hears you yelling? <laughs> or someone you're having sex with 
Here's you do something in the bathroom that you have to flush twice. twice. <laughs> I would rather they hear me yelling. <laughs> you you would rather That's them funny. hear you ordering a hit, <laughs> right. or, you know, dispose of this dead body than thinking you I had took a, a two shit, flusher a shit so gnarly. <laughs> yes. That you needed two flushes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Um, so then, you know, we, we talked about these things, uh, uh, the not eating that's Chris mentions it as they're at the gas station on their way down. There was another weird little great moment at the gas station. I know what you're going to say. When the other family walks by. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like they're in the middle of this weird shitstorm of their own creation. And then this family walks by and you see Polly's facial expression totally changes. Like, how you doing? And it changes yeah. right back. To, I love that. It's just, it, it underscored the fact. It, it underscored the fact that these people are living in the real world. And. That that was something that I wrote down later. That but overall, he's also just a dunce. Like, yeah. just, it's like every if you're trying to look not suspicious, you didn't pull it off. Like yes, exactly. Like, uh, you know, uh, Brad Walsh, who we had on the other week, said an expression to me that stuck in my head, which is like he had been on a on a show where he was doing very well, and then he went to a different show. And he said he wasn't doing as well. And he said, I realize my karate doesn't work in this dojo. Oh. And it's like whatever Polly is doing may have worked in the sixties or whenever, but Polly's karate does not work in the dojo (laughs) of the two thousands. Yeah. That, and that's a, that's a running theme of the series, how he's sort of like the one left behind somehow. Um, I found at this point I wrote down, it's so hard to talk about the writing of this show because it doesn't feel like writing. You know, there are just never when you watch Frasier, for instance, you, yeah. you clock many jokes and you say, oh, that is such a great joke. That is so well written. The Sopranos feel so real mm-hmm. that sometimes if you watch it, go if you go into it saying like, oh, I'm going to I want to talk about the writing and the writing. It, it's very hard and you almost have to just focus more on the the structure of what happened. Yeah, I think I, and I attribute it not the writing is great and, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really the casting and the directing that yeah, totally because directing. Our, this could just be a bad network drama that was pretty forgettable, even with some of the great writing. But it's like Steve Buscemi, who directed yes. this. And I, I think this is so the cool. first episode that he directed. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, just clearly has this indie film background of making small, believable things in the midst of these wild, grandiose plot turns. Yeah. yeah, because you're right for it doesn't feel like writing, but it, it, it just doesn't feel like a movie. Even it just feels like you're you're standing on you're in the set watching this. Yes. Yeah. God, it was so good. So then the plot is uh, here, here. The plot's moving forward. They leave the gas station. They decide they're going to go to the Pine Barrens, which is an area in South Jersey where they can dispose of the body and the way Polly sets it up, like, it'll be great. You know, they'll dump the body and like, we're 20 minutes from Atlantic city. We'll get mm-hmm. a steak at Morton's. It all just <laughs> sounded like it was so perfect. And you're aware that there's a Roy Rogers just off camera that Christopher <laughs> just wants to go and chow. Sorry. And he's like, Nope, we're not doing that. We're going to have this great night. So they head down to Pine Barrens. They open the trunk of the car when they, they park in a, in a spot next to the woods and lo and behold, this Russian guy is still alive. You know, he pops up and uh, that's when Paulie says like, you know, like, Rasp- or I think he says it later, like Rasputin, this guy. <laughs> but so he pops up 
And they're kind of poking fun at him because he's tied up. He can't do anything. And they're like, well, we're going to lead him out into the woods. But again, I want to stop you here yeah. because this is them being bad employees. This is lazy work. Like you just shoot him in the head then. Yes. yes. And you dig the hole yourself. Like it it really was them not wanting to put in yes. 20 minutes of manual labor, which right. is their job. Right. <laughs> leads to them yeah. totally screwing up their job. <laughs> yes. yes, because as you say, they and get the out vibes. to the middle of the woods and and we got to highlight again as as you said before the casting of this Russian guy who I never saw before or since. Yeah. Was amazing cuz he's as they're walking him out into the woods, he's barefoot in a t-shirt and pajama bottoms and it's walking enjoying through enjoying it yeah walking through the snow pounding his chest saying this isn't cold for a russian you americans are bullshit and it was so great and you really did in that moment like you fear russian people watching that mm -hmm. you're just like fuck i believe this guy like totally. i believe that russians would totally fucking outsmart us in the, in the cold. And that's of course what ends up happening because but it's also the idea, like let's give this angry, huge person a shovel. Yes. <laughs> well, that's that Paulie's laziness. We're right. like, we're going to fucking dig the hole. You know, even Christopher questions him. He's like, Paulie, why are you, what are you doing? Why are you cutting his, uh, his restraints? And he's like, I'm not fucking digging the hole. You're digging it. And Oh my God. Oh, and then, the, and then, the Russians plan. He waits just for the right moment when they're both distracted talking about something. Whaps Chris on the forehead when <laughs> it gives him a, a great gnarly bruise that he has for the rest of the episode and like hits Polly in the nuts with the butt of the, <laughs> the shovel. And he's like a, like a Ted Jessup in his prime. He's yeah. off sprinting through the woods and they're shooting him. It's great too. Like, the guns sounded so good and looked so great in this episode because they seemed almost like cap guns. And you just knew like, oh, they're going to keep missing him, keep <laughs> missing him. And then somehow with his last shot, Pauly is able to clearly hit this Russian guy in the head from far away. And you see the Russian guy like blood spray out of his head and he falls down. But then after a second, you see him kind of lumber to his feet and takes <laughs> off. And that's when Paulie says like Rasputin, this guy. So that is such an interesting detail that I don't know who came up with that or who thought of that. But that is, you, you talk about lines that have stuck with you for 25 years. That has stuck with me because it wasn't just that he ran and got away it was they shot him in the head yeah. and he still he got mysteriously got away in a way that leads your mind in a thousand directions. Like, did he just die like somewhere? That I mean, one of the great disappointments of the series to me was that, you know, I think we were all hoping for his return at some yeah. point because we loved him so much. And, you know, a spinoff. Yeah, that we, yeah. We wanted him to come back and he just never did. Unfortunately. I know. I, I almost respect it now later where it was yeah. just like, it's a great, I mean, listen, the way they ended the series, is it any surprise that they left us with this sort of open question of what happened to Valerie? But I mean, you could do a movie, you know how like they're always doing in the Sopranos universe. Yeah. I mean, if you were yeah. doing that, like that would be in my mind, the first thing to try. I oh, that's know. Cool. I yeah. know. I, I wonder what that guy's doing today. I hope he's alive and doing well. Cause he was, God, he was so good in this. And so now we talked earlier about not only is this a fucking fantastic drama, but it's such a great comedy. They had so many great little lines here where just a well, then it becomes waiting for Godot, right? I mean, yeah. it's like these guys need to be saved. Where are they? When are they coming? And yeah, 
Well, then it became like Blair Witch meets Waiting for Godot. Like, (laughs) we're lost in the fucking woods and there's possibly this monster out there. (laughs) Right. That we can't kill. But at one point, and I forget, I should have written down what Chris's line was that provokes it. Something about being hungry still. And Pauly turns to him and goes, hey, stop being cunty. And I was just like, God, what a great, what a perfect Pauly line. And, and JC, I know that's one of your favorite, I just loved favorite it. words. What a line. And so then th- there's this uh, another phone call, which they have several with Tony. And, and it keeps cutting in and out because of the reception where they are. And Tony's getting so frustrated. And this is just after Tony has gone into his meeting with the head Russian boss. And I love the head Russian boss, too, because he seemed so nice and like so normal compared to what's going on with Tony and and his world. And but there was that element the first time you watched it of danger. Like, does he know? Is he going to ambush and shoot Tony? Like you never felt safe. But watching it this time, we know, obviously, he he didn't know about it. And it was just a, a normal meeting. But Tony learns more about this Russian guy who they have with them out in the Mm -hmm. woods, this tall Russian guy. He learns that he killed single-handedly like 16 Chechen rebels, that he was a (laughs) member of the interior ministry. So, of course, in a true uh, game of telephone, as Tony's telling this to Pauly, it gets fucked up by Pauly on his end. So he's, you know, Paulie's saying he killed, you know, 16 uh, Czechoslovakians. The guy's an interior decorator. And then Chris has that great line, Goldie. Well, then why does the apartment look like shit? Yeah, yeah. He goes, he is? His house looks like shit. It was so great. I mean, it was, I mean, that part is like, you know, it's like talking to your mom, you know. It's the holdovers, the nobodies. The nobodies. Yeah. It's, It's that. Yeah. So, so frustrating. It was so <laughs> great. Hilarious. And so then there's this moment where they're trudging through the snow, Polly and Christopher, and Polly loses his shoe when he falls down a hill, which becomes, you know, uh, his his big complaint for the rest of the episode moving forward, which is hilarious because you can imagine how fucking freezing it would be with yes. no shoe in the snow. And dress socks. And dress <laughs> socks, right. He doesn't even have the benefit of a champion sock. So, but something that, also now, of course, because we've all watched the series, that shoe moment comes back in a very funny way the next season when oh. they're at the Bing and Polly and Christopher are reminiscing about this uh, Pine Barrens episode and this fucking nightmare. And uh, Christopher says at some point, like, yeah, and then Polly lost his shoe and Vito Spadafore is standing right there. He grabs Polly so giddily by the shoulder and he goes, you lost your shoe. You didn't mention that. And that's when Polly gets so angry and he and Christopher almost come to blows. And I love that that because that is a perfect thing. It's like a humiliating thing for Polly to have lost his shoe. Yeah. (laughs) You understand that even better like a year. I mean, it it just, you know, because the first time I watched it, I didn't have kids. And now that I do, you just go like, this is a child. Like this is such a child. This is what happens is you just go they create an unforeseen problem that becomes your problem instantly yes and they have no ability to solve something that was preventable yep but now you can't do something for them right 
Yep. <laughs> yeah, they can't yeah. implement. They have a problem implementing your advice too. In yeah, that and then they're Polly kind of do. mad at you, and <laughs> right, right, right. it's all on you now. For <laughs> but you're like, you lost your shoe. <laughs> oh yes. God. So so in the background, uh, you know, in the in the B story, while these guys are out in the woods, mm. in the A story, the B story is Tony and his mistress. So Tony sets up a dinner with gloria and he's going to get there at nine and so you see a very god it was so painful to watch you you see tony's dinner at home with with his son aj and carmella and he's not really eating and you see carmella clock this and just like what's what's the matter you're not hungry like late lunch (laughs) and you know in that moment that she probably knows like oh you've got some other fucking thing coming up well the other the funny element of this Gloria dinner to me was she builds it up. She says, you like London broil? And it's like, no one likes London broil. That is a bad cut of meat that if you're having someone over, it's got to be a New York strip at least. You know, maybe a filet mignon or, you you know, you like ribeye. You go... You like London broil? It's like, actually, I don't. I mean, I'd rather have hamburgers if we're doing London broil. It's it's true, though, but, like, I find that to be a, a fun consistency within the show is, like, the things they think are classy yes. are basically yeah. like what 1970s people would find classy. So <laughs> yeah. like, totally. you know, if somebody had a fondue pot, that would be the height of classiness in their <laughs> totally. world. Um, but yeah, so he set up this dinner. He's stuck at his own dinner. He's just about to leave his dinner <laughs> when his mother-in-law and father-in-law come in and they've got the dour faces and they're saying, we just came back from the doctor. He's got glaucoma. <laughs> and so at that moment, Tony gets another call from Paulie and Christopher. It's equally as agonizing. They can't hear each other. There's a funny echo now that they're putting yeah, into the phone well calls. It's really warping the whole thing. Tony's cursing in the phone and the mother-in-law is like, is that language really necessary? So then finally Tony hangs up and it's like, okay, He's going to go over to his mistresses for this dinner. And Carmela looks at Tony's like, you're going to stay for coffee, right? There's a pause. And then Carmela says, my father has glaucoma. <laughs> and yeah. he, he has to sit down. This is such a generational <laughs> thing that because something upsetting has happened, we now need to just sort of wallow in it pointlessly. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that anyone who's on the hemisphere of it if you're in like a saturn's ring of it and you're orbiting it you need to be pulled gravitationally in and also be in this vague state of collective mourning or anger at for no reason like you go he's gonna have glaucoma if i sit here and have this (laughs) right or Or not. not I can talk to him about the glaucoma the rest of his life because he will have it so I can, you know, make appropriate emotions at a later moment. But this, you know, it. I mean, it's it's that thing of, uh, you know, it's it's been a conflict throughout all, all of dramatic history, which is like, can you see I have to work? <laughs> yes. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Oh totally. And also, as you say, like there there will forever be this cloud that hangs over you if you weren't there in that moment, that ground zero moment of glaucoma. It doesn't matter how supportive you are in the years <laughs> yeah. going After forward. It's like you left that first night. You didn't stay for coffee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I had glaucoma and he went off and it's like, well, <laughs> sure, you had glaucoma no matter what he did. And if he wasn't there when you got there, you wouldn't have known to be angry. Right. 
about him not respecting your glaucoma. Exactly. <laughs> but this is like the, the entire time I was growing up, this is the type of conflict that was just omnipresent in our lives. Yes. It was talked about, you know, when the people weren't there. It's like he I mean, so that that was such a great moment for me. So it, great. It rang so true to like what. Yeah, what life a is. documentary about like what life was like in this in the 80s. And exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's, again, it just didn't feel like writing. It just felt like a fucking moment that we got to witness. So Paulie and Christopher are back in the woods. They come upon a van and we <laughs> and they they're excited because they've been want. It's nighttime now. It's pitch black. They find an abandoned van that they hop in and it looks it looked so freezing in the van like you you could feel how cold it was you could hear the creak of that metal and just you just knew how cold it was in there but they're they're you know maybe two degrees warmer and they're in shelter and they're sort of shivering in place christopher finds the old uh, fast food bag with the ketchup packets which I love. So they're like sucking yes. down. But even even when they were getting into the van, when Polly just shoves him out of the way to get into yes. the van yeah. first. <laughs> what a he tip. wanted to be in the driver's seat. <laughs> also with the ketchup packets, him and it's such an infuriating thing that boomers do is he says, mix the ketchup with the relish. Like even in this small moment, he has to have some dumb fucking advice that you're doing it wrong. And he's found some way of doing it that you're not doing. It's like, I have a ketchup packet. I have a, if I want to mix them, I'll mix them. But you don't know something that I don't know. You're not in charge because yes. you have an idea that's lateral to what we're doing. Right. Like, don't give me a suggestion. Like, the, the pathological need to give a content person suggestions <laughs> yes. is something so true of that era. Oh, God. Well, yes. yes. Yeah, like, like you're, for years you're going to be remembering, oh, and then Paulie made the great suggestion of <laughs> yes. adding relish. relish to the ketchup packet, <laughs> yeah. and our evening was changed. Um, and then, so this is also a moment where there's another phone call between Paulie and Tony that's cut, cut up and, you know, hard to hear. But one of the things that you definitely do here is Paulie trying to pin this whole thing on Christopher, yes. which is so great. Like he's already seeing, you know, it to Paulie's credit, a, at least one step ahead where he's going to have to answer for this to Tony at some point. So he's laying the groundwork of like, your nephew, like he doesn't think before he acts, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> like, yeah. So great. Uh, and of course, you realize later that Christopher heard all that, which yeah. is also a, a, a nice uh, detail. So they're they're stuck in the van. We get to Tony arriving late to Gloria's for this date. And, and Gloria is her usual sort of like unhinged self. Very yes. angry. The den is fucking ruined, which I love. <laughs> like, you know, she says the way they say ruined, ruined. Uh, in that part of the world. Um, but Tony stays... They clearly have sex. They're about to have dinner when Tony gets another call from Polly, and it's the last straw. Polly's like, you know, what's happening out here? We're fucking dying out here. <laughs> well, what do you want me to do? I want you to come get us. You know, like you were saying, <laughs> like Goldie, like it's a kid who yeah. needs their yeah. parents to come pick them up. Um, and so this leads to Tony clearly, you know, very agitated, taking off his daishiki or whatever she brought him from Morocco. <laughs> yes. And he's like, I got to go. And she Jesus. flips out. And throws the London broil at his a neck. Beast. And this take was so good from James Gandolfini. I mean, listen, we don't need to sit here and say how great James Gandolfini was as Tony yeah. Soprano. But in this moment, 
you felt so scared oh of what gosh. was going to happen after he got hit with that stake and the way he turns and looks at her and you can see even on her face like she's scared like she realizes she went too far and then his his anger turns into a little smile and he heads out and that was i i love <laughs> the way that they brilliant. handled that moment especially given uh what was what was coming in the future with that his the relationship steak hit wasn't quite as satisfying as i remember like i remember a wet juicy steak hitting him in the head and it was more of a dry steak hitting him it in was the dry. collar and the neck yeah right, <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> it, 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 wherever it hit him you, you don't want to hit tony soprano with any piece of food right. um so this uh this sends him over to uh uncle junior's house and then i yes. see a character that looks like me now <laughs> Uncle Junior. I know. Yeah. I'm up all night with the chemo anyway. Yeah. Um, no. I yes. Mean, yeah. And it was it was funny that Uncle uh, Junior. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So Dominic. I just put on my glasses and now I'm Uncle Junior. Hey, by the way, he's still that. alive. So you know, yeah, maybe that speaks right. well for you. He's okay. he's kicking at 94. I looked him up. Awesome. Um yeah, we love him, Dom, Dominic Chianese. And he's he's a good uh, singer too. I think he wow. that was like his thing. Uh before acting so he goes over to junior's he smells like steak junior clocks it <laughs> which is <laughs> a, a funny moment too and then tony doesn't even get into it and then bobby bacala who's probably like the one truly nice character in the whole series yes comes over and he's going to help he's clearly been enlisted by junior uh in the middle of the night to go help tony find these guys out in the woods so he shows up in full hunting gear with yes. the reflective vest and the camouflage, camouflage and Tony can't stop laughing and Bobby's reaction is very funny just like, well the, the interesting thing I read in that ringer article yeah. that I referenced earlier was that apparently uh for that take you know because you do what's called your coverage when the camera's just on you yep. for a single shot uh that he whipped out a giant dildo <laughs> to make James Gandolfini laugh <laughs> oh really awesome. yeah oh my god oh that's great <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, you do notice his giggling. It does seem like pretty sincere than, in that yeah. moment. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a fun behind that's, the scenes yeah. fact. Um, yeah. So uh, Bobby and Tony are now off to go rescue Paul. And also, Bobby's the one person who knows what they're doing, and he gets yes. contempt. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Exactly. He gets shit on. He's prepared. I got my limits too, Junior. Which is a great, like a perfect Bobby line. You love Bobby. You just want to give him a hug every yes. time you see him. Watching Janice manipulate him oh that season. God. Oh, God. It makes so you so mad. Um, but so then we go out to, again to Paulie and Christopher in the van. And you see Christopher kind of look over at Paulie, who's clearly eating a Tic Tac. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Christopher's like, you got Tic Tacs? He's like, I, I had them in my coat. I forgot I had them. He's like, well, give me some. He's like, this is the last one. <laughs> it was like a great, great Paulie moment. So Christopher's like going to forage for berries. He goes out of the van. And then there's this hilarious moment where Christopher kind of circles around the van and starts <laughs> to take a leak. By Polly's side of the van. Now, <laughs> yes. given Polly's Polly's windows closed, like it's not like it's open right. air. And but Polly gets so mad about this show of disrespect, <laughs> like piss by your own window. I don't want to smell <laughs> your piss. <laughs> so that escalates into Polly coming out. Christopher saying, "I heard you on the phone trying to pin this on me." Christopher has Polly at gunpoint, and then oh, yeah. uh, he's sort of like. You know, Paulie's cornered and like a little weasel. He's just like, you know, we've been through so too much together, kid. And Christopher starts laughing and uh, it all kind of uh, diffuses. But um, 
So then, but is that where he yeah. has the great line of you know he's like I'm your captain and he's reminding him he's his boss and he's like right now we're just two assholes in oh, the yeah. woods yeah 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 yes. we're just that's two great. assholes lost in the woods yeah yep. that's perfect that yeah. was great that really summed it up so then Tony and 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 Bobby get out there it's still dark they wait till it's light they start to go looking for him Christopher and Polly have you know are also ventured out in the light and that's where Polly puts the the piece of uh, van carpet around his foot to try and fashion a shoe. Oh, yes. And you heard you heard what Christopher said to him when he did that? I don't recall. He, he, as he's putting the the carpet on his foot, Christopher looks over and goes, Bruno Magli over here. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> that <was just laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Such a great reference to the uh, OJ shoe and that that time in history. So uh, of course, the, the 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 carpet shoe doesn't work. It comes off, and Polly gets so pissed that he throws it and then shoots at it, which then <laughs> alerts Tony and Bobby oh, yeah. to where they are. They fire a shot into the air, and they find each other. But it was like the idiot Christian the Lion reunion of them. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Tony! Chrissy! Thank God! And they're like hugging, and you're just like... <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I, I thought that was kind of nice in a way because as pissed as Tony was the whole episode, rightfully, you know, there was so much shit going on for him. He did seem he was legitimately relieved to find yeah. them both alive. And so it was like a, it was like a moment of humanity for him, which is then hilariously cut when they get into the into Tony's suburban and they're getting ready to go. And Tony lays this out for Polly, you know, yep. just summing up the whole episode, just like, dude, what do you think? Should we stay and look for this guy? And Polly's, like, of course, is like, nah, fuck it. And Tony's like, okay, but if this guy comes back, <laughs> you're going to take the heat. You're going to deal yeah. with the Russians. And it was so clear what you were saying, Goldie, good help is hard to find. Like, this is <laughs> the moment where the boss is like, you fucked up. Like, this is your fuck yeah, up. Yeah, you think this is good enough, and that always means this isn't good enough. Right. But <laughs> right. tell me right now that you also agree, and we're in the same common culture here of, of yeah. achievement, that uh, we shoot for better, and then she just goes like, nope. <laughs> now, let's get out of here. <laughs> and there's a moment right at the end where their relationship going forward is perfectly displayed, where Tony's driving, looks in the rearview mirror, and tells Polly, you got mayonnaise on your chin. <laughs> Polly says, What? He goes, Mayonnaise, mayonnaise. <laughs> He's so angry. Yeah. And, and they, they show again, they show Christopher kind of laughing, like looking at him and smiling. And then Polly sadly wiping it off and then <laughs> looking out the window with that mean mug as the <laughs> opera music played. And it was just and his like, hair's oh. all messed up. He knew, he knew in that moment, like, I'm in Tony's fucking doghouse. Like, yeah. you know, this. Sucks. And and it's funny because you mentioned at the beginning of the show. About it was like they... Joe Coy's writers on the, <laughs> right. on the Golden <laughs> Globes. <laughs> Good callback. <laughs> but you mentioned earlier in the episode how the, the episode actually ends with a very short scene in therapy where Tony asks the questions like, you know, I'm trying to do the right thing. Like, why does everything have to be such a fucking slog? I kind of thought the episode should have ended on Polly's face staring out the window. But I mean, that's just I don't know. I, I I really, you know, again, watching this thing later in life, I really related to that in a way that I never did before. Yeah. Where you just go like, 
as someone who feels like they're really doing their best and then it's just every day is a struggle sometimes yeah you know trying to get your kids on track and you know with the show business and writing and pitching and everything and you just go like everything i've done to this moment means nothing it's a blank slate all the friggin time like yep Look at all the stuff he did to please people in that episode. I mean, he's a venal character and not yes. someone to look up to. But he did try to do something for everyone and give everyone the amount of time they did. And all that uh, resulted in for him was having to take care of all this stuff. Yeah. Yep. From wow. his perspective. You know, yeah. I'm sure Carmela would tell a different story. Yes. <laughs> True. Absolutely. She would. Um, well, so anyway, then, then the episode ends there. And. Oh, God, I, it, it only confirmed what I felt about the episode. And we it's knew not, at the time, too, how good it was. Yes. Like, it wasn't yeah. like, oh, over time that became no. built in our minds. Like, you knew when that ended, you were like, I just saw something <laughs> incredible. Totally right. So, again, Steve Buscemi and I think Tim Van Patten was one of the writers on this. There was another writer whose name I'm forgetting, so forgive me. But, boy, congratulations. This was yeah. so fun to watch again. And is just simply, I, I think it's the best hour of television I've ever seen. And I loved watching it again. Yeah, it was I great. I agree. Yeah, it was uh, great. Oh, that was loved fun. It. that was fun. Fun talking to you folks about it. Now let's get into a portion of the show we like to call Top Five. Top Five. <sighs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> JC, this was your topic. So tell them what the hut topic is this week. The hut Topic is top five candies. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Delish. Delish. So um, my number five is sort of an old school candy bar, I think. It's the Payday candy bar. I discovered it later in life. Yeah. I just love sure. the Sure. You're salty. totally nuts about Payday. I am nuts about the salty peanuts and caramel. Yep. And very similarly, I guess, number four is the Snickers bar. Yeah, very basic. Overlap. Hate overlap. it. Overlap. You do. Oh yeah. my god. Okay. Wouldn't eat one stuck in a van in the woods. <laughs> yes, you would. No, you gotta you gotta mix it with the score bar. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much. Number three, maybe because of my childhood, jelly bellies. I just love to oh, mix the jelly yeah, bellies. Sure. Num you mentioned this just a second ago. Number two, the score bar. Sorry. But so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite all right. And my number one, I don't even know if they make this anymore. And um, there is a tidbit of, if you like the band Taking Back Sunday, they named a song after something I said. I called this the Nutrageous. I called it the New American Classic. Oh. And the right, the, the isn't it just singer. the payday bar? No, it's, it's <laughs> Nutrageous is Reese's peanut butter. Sort of like the payday bar, but with Reese's No, there's no peanut, peanut butter. butter in payday. Right, exactly. But it, yeah, so it's Reese's Caramel. It's so good. <clears throat> it, and so, um, yeah, they named a song called New American Classic. After what awesome. you said, like you yeah, called it that. Was, and they, oh, that's cool. He was my voice student. So Adam Adam Lazare was my so voice he student. he stole. Yeah, he said to me, He's would good. you mind if I used that? And I didn't know what he was going to use it for. And it's actually a really beautiful song. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, What's the name of the band again? Taking Back Sunday. Yeah. If anybody knows their emo or screamo bands, the you 90s, will know. We took back screamo. the night. Now we're taking back Sunday. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. Well, it's my turn. 
Yes, yes. Uh, top five candies, no, not even close to overlap with you. Oh, wow. Uh, number five, they're the new hot kid on the candy block, Tony's Chocoloni. Oh, yeah, those uh, are good. A little high nice. end maybe for our listeners. But, yeah, you know, I think so. Save up those a little great. money. Get, yeah. a, get yourself a Tony's Chocoloni. Number four, I'm not sure if this is just regional or if these are everywhere, you rarely see them, mostly in bowling alley vending machines. Gets his caramel creams. Oh, oh, I don't even know what that is. It's wow. a caramel and it's got this like non dairy cream thing in the center. And it is, they come Whoa. in packs of about 10 or 12. Oh my God. Kirker. Really good. <laughs> get, Kirker. Get some, get some, get some, gets gets some. Gets <laughs> uh, Number three is, I feel like a, dramatically underrated never talked about candy bar the hundred grand bar oh, that's Ooh. a good one got a little of everything I you like nestle's like. crunch it's in there <laughs> you like milky way it's it's in there yeah. oh. got it all number three number two rather uh reese's peanut butter cups oh, not yes. sure how you can have a list without that <laughs> and uh number one which again any list without this is not really a list of best candy. <laughs> M&M's, baby. Just plain? Plain M&M's? Plain? It's oh. candy. What? Just know, plain I, candy? I yes. <laughs> what, do you got to mix it with relish? Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, good, good enough for World War One. I. <laughs> I think it's good enough for you, Janice. Uh, uh, all right. Here we go. Mine uh, number five is uh, caramello. I love oh. caramello bars. Hmm. Like, bit into a caramello. I feel like that's a CBS deep dive. I love caramello. <laughs> I bit into a caramello and I found gold. Anthony, caramello. Anthony. Number four. You might remember him from Grandma's Candy Dish, Coffee Nips. Oh wow! I love. <laughs> Coffee. Hated nips. hearing you say that, but okay. coffee nips. <laughs> I like to suck on a coffee. Oh, nip. Oh, I'm cutting that. <laughs> no, keep it in. Damn you. That's what you'll be babbling as you come out of anesthesia. Coffee nips. I'm gonna be like, Goldie, help me. <laughs> Number three, it really satisfies Snickers. Love a Snickers bar. <laughs> Number two, I was surprised not to see this. It was kind of a straight down the middle, 98 mile an hour fastball with a Twix, Twix. bar. Yeah. I love yeah. Twix. Add it. Replaced it with 100 yeah. grand. Oh. Yeah. But I agree. I it, it would be number six. Great. <laughs> and Goldie, overlap at number one, plain M&M. Wow. Yes. Love it. Just a, as we know, a glass <laughs> yes. dish of mm -hmm. plain M&Ms is the height of any party. That's where I'll be hanging out. Yep. Um, way too many yep all right that was uh that was a fun list today thank you jc next week is mine here we're gonna do top five days of your life Oof. top five days like of ever your yeah ever wow. that's that's your life that's your life right that's pretty deep <laughs> it's not yep. your life it's my so life stat thinking about those top five days Ooh, and how you're going to dance around your spouse yeah. when the list is over. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's end the show as we do every week on a high note. Ah! 
Thank you, Tom and Max. Tom, we're hoping we'll return soon. And we just got a great email from Max with some thoughts about yes. Maestro, which were you, awesome. So, Max, yes. thank you for sharing that with us. I mean, I'll kick this off this same high note as last week. Guys, we went up in Yemen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, it, you know, I know the world is going to shit, especially right there. But for some reason, <laughs> what number are we at now? as the tomahawks are flying overhead, we went from 97th to 93rd wow. in Yemen. We're viral. <laughs> gone viral so that's it thank that's you why yemen. we got into this business thank you whoever's listening in yemen thank you thank very you. much and hope you're on our side stay safe out there yemen whoever side you're on thank you for listening we just turn this good morning yemen <laughs> in each podcast <laughs> all right who's up you go no, i'll i can go uh so I think things are going to line up this week. There's a high note that hasn't happened yet, but I think it's going to happen that I'm going to surprise my kids with a Disney trip, which is one of my favorite things to do is to, is to give them something they asked for. Don't realize that I heard and then that they're getting it, not knowing. So I'll let you know how it goes. I mean, you'll be getting your butt looked at, but (laughs) I can save the video. Send us photos or videos. That'll be, I want to Alec see you. or me? <laughs> no, you, you, Alec Goldie. <laughs> His is going to look like the Titanic submersible ending. <laughs> oh, it's wow. going to crush, crush the, the camera. Oh, yeah, the no. tools are going to implode. <laughs> okay, my high note is another tennis-related one. Yannick Sinner, 22 years old, won the... Australian Open, five-setter, down by two sets. It was incredible. He's a very likable guy, and um, it was an amazing match. Poor Daniel Medvedev. I know, who I do also love. Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, he's got a very large forehead and two two eyes in his name. Daniel. Daniel. (laughs) D-A-N-I-I-L. Um, Put tennis right. racket back in docking station. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I think he would survive in the cold too. But um, so. that is a that's a great high note. Thank you. And to remind you folks, we will be talking with Scott Grimes Woo-hoo. next week. While I'm getting not while I'm getting a colonoscopy, but it will be <laughs> that day. And uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, too, for being awesome. And we will talk to you again next week. You might be there. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible dismount. (laughs) (laughs) So is that the dismount you want to go with? Or do you think we should re-record that? (laughs) No, I can tighten it up. No, I'm saying that's the Sopranos. (laughs) You think, because if it it comes back that that was a good dismount, then. (laughs) Fuck it. We'll go with that. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm ending the show